1116 SEN. This is the Flag Flyers for the American Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Flag Flyers, a place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies. Find the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler. Alongside me is Lockie Miller. Hello, my friend. Hello, Chris. Welcome back to the country. Thank you, and welcome back to the show because we haven't done it for uh, three or four weeks. So it's it's good to be uh, it's good to have the flag flies back. It's been you just could not cope without me, could you? <laughs> it's been very capable. Hands. You could not cope with the rigors of radio. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Um, well, you, th- you think this is nothing, and then all of a sudden you try it and you can't cop it. I. <laughs> I just, whatever. Let's get into the show, Chris. I'm sick. I'm sick of this. All right. I'm glad you were away. I wish you never came back. <laughs> you know, the good thing about uh, being away for three weeks and then coming back is the fact that we jam packed the show. Oh, right. It's always a big full. show, but today is a massive show. So obviously, we're starting off with rounding the bases as we always do. Your Olgan Ulick from uh, from PickandRoll.com.au is going to kick us off there. Uh, Tom Reed from Believe the Hype and also Xavier Player. Yes. Yeah, and we've also got Blake O'Neill from Vivian's Models. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that a little later on, but Blake O'Neill, of course, from Prokick Australia, did sign on throughout the week at Michigan from Vivian's Models. Direct. Direct. <laughs> Recruited number one. <laughs> Straight out of the Vivian's Models draft. We're going to talk to Blake <laughs> about that. It is a tremendous chat. He's, he's, he's a champ. And we're also going to be finishing off the show with Damien Arsenis from pickandroll.com.au. At the start of the season, for those who remember... Damien took us through his preseason predictions for the 2014-2015 college basketball season. So he gave us a top 10 players to look out for. And then I went through him uh, with two or three things for each player and he had to go over and under. So we're going to have a listen to how he went officially in his over-under predictions. Let's just say it's not... Let's just say that. That's better than what we could have done though, right? Oh, that, that, well, yeah. But yeah, clearly. I could, have, I could have probably guessed more than, more than that though. <laughs> Let's anyway, <laughs> let's kick off the show because it's a big show, so let's get straight, in with, straight into it with Rounding the Bases. Joining us first up on Rounding the Bases this morning is Olgan Ulick from pickandroll.com.au. Olgan, welcome back to the show. Thank you again for having me. Not a problem. It's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken to you, but uh, we're back into the swing of things now. I and mean, of course, we wanted to start off by talking about Ben Simmons and Montverde winning the uh, national championship for the f- third year in a row. Yeah, they, they were in New York. Ben Simmons has had a a really incredible run over his time at Montverde. He got there in 2003, 2013, oh, sorry. And um, he won it the first year there. The second year, he, he had D'Angelo Russell, who's at Ohio State. He had him on his team. They won it then. Um, and they won it again this year. It was, a, it was a tough road to the championship this year, but they managed to pull it out. And Ben Simmons obviously played an integral role, as he's always done in the game, and uh, won his second MVP. Uh, he did. He... Um, he took a, a bad knock to the eye to start the game. Um, he sat out for, for most of the first half, but then he came back in the second half, uh, ended up finishing with 20 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and it was against Oak Hill Academy, and they were um, undefeated up until that point. So it was a big victory, and he, he took away MVP on it as well. And they've had a long history of producing uh, solid NBA players as well, Oak Hill Academy, haven't they? Oak Hill has, yeah. Oak Hill, um, Rajon Rondo, Brandon Jennings, those kind of players, so... They're a very historically um, successful team, so it was a really good win for Montverde. So along with winning the national championship, Ben Simmons also played in the Donald's All-American game. How did he go there? Uh, he, he did okay. The with Donald's All-American game, that kind of format isn't really Ben Simmons' style. Uh, that's a lot of one-on-one play. Simmons is more of a... He likes to move the ball a lot. Um, that's his kind of game. Uh, but he, he did well. This was before the Dicks Nationals uh, that he did that. Um it was here in Chicago, so I got to uh, cover the event. I got to speak to him, and he, he really enjoyed it. They got to do a lot of activities at the Ronald McDonald House, and then the game was at the United Center, so it was just a really exciting uh, week. So obviously, based on his performance in both the uh, All-American game and the National Championship, he's still widely projected to be the number one draft pick next year, isn't he? For 2016, um, I, I would base my picks on uh, Jonathan Gavoni of... Um, Draft Express, I'd base it off, off his picks. And he's got him at number three behind uh, Scarlett BCA and Jalen Brown. But it, it's basically a toss-up between the top three guys there. The next thing we wanted to touch on today was Ben Simmons, Thonmaker, and Ty Winyard's performance in the Nike Hoop Summit, Logan. Uh, yeah, they were, that game was a yesterday. They were part of the world team, uh, which, uh, if you remember, in 2013, Dante Exum was a part of that team. And that was part of Dante's kind of rise to prominence. 
Um, but yeah, Ben Simmons had a, had a really good game. He he seemed to flourish a bit more with the international team. There was a lot of ball movement. Uh, there were shooters on the floor that he could pass to. Um, so he finished with a near triple double. He had 13 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Uh, Thon Maker. It was the first time a lot of people got to see an actual game of him, um, and he he didn't disappoint. But but the hype that he had was quite high, and so people were a bit disappointed to to a point. But he, he finished with two points and 10 rebounds. He struggled at, at parts just because of his size. He's not as big as uh, some of the other guys, but you can you can see the potential in him. And uh, Ty Wynyard played limited minutes, maybe 11, 12 minutes. He finished with two points, two assists. Um, but he, he showed that why why Kentucky was after him. He's got a big body, sets screens, gets rebounds. He's a real banger. And obviously, he's a New Zealand-born uh, player, Ty Wynyard. He is. Um, he, people model him after Stephen Adams just because there's just that inherent need to do that. But um, yeah, he's going to be a really good guy for John Calipari in Kentucky for a couple of years. Now, the Australian Under-19 squad has been named, and for the first time there have been no US-based players named in the squad. Um, yeah, the, the squad was named a few days ago, and this is just a 16-man squad for the uh, upcoming training camp. It's later this month. And uh, yeah, none of the players that are based here in the U.S. Uh, were invited to that camp. Uh, it was it was always a stretch that that was uh, going to happen, just because it's difficult in regard to travel and scheduling and stuff like that. I would expect out of all the players based here in the U.S., Dengadel would be the the most likely to be a part of the final team. The others, I'd say, are off the table. Beautiful. Olgan, thank you so much for joining us again on the Flag Flies. We're going to, of course, read your stuff at pickandroll.com.au and catch you on Twitter at Olgan Ulick. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. For sure. Thanks for having me. Joining us next up on Rounding the Bases is Xavier Playout from Hewitt Sports Network. Xavier, thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Now, we haven't spoken in a while, and since we've spoken... The Major League Baseball season has begun. It's underway officially now. So what we want to start off with is take a look at all the Aussies uh, in the MLB at the moment. There's not a whole bunch, but let's uh, let's have a look at, I guess, the ones that uh, are most likely to, to play some decent minutes uh, this season. Well, we've got two who are getting the job done at the moment. The first of those we're going to look at is Grant Balfour, who's with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's had three appearances this year. He's pitched a combined 1.2 innings. His first two innings of the season, he was only in pitching to get one out, and then his last outing, which was against Miami on Saturday, he pitched a full inning. Uh, so far, he's struck out, hasn't struck anyone out. He's walked one guy. So, look, not bad, but getting the job done, and most importantly, he's not giving up runs. Perfect. That's all we need from him. He's, he's, a, he's a speciality pitcher, and, and he's, getting, uh, he's getting the job done, like you said. So that's all we need. Uh, Liam Hendricks, who is back in Toronto after a stint in Kansas City for a while, last year has also been doing fairly well. He so far has had two appearances, uh, both against the Baltimore Orioles. He's pitched three innings, striking out four guys in that time, hasn't walked anyone, hasn't given up a run, and has only given up one hit. Oh, perfect. That's even better. They're the guys who are at the moment playing in the majors who are Australian. Also, Travis Blackley, who was with the San Francisco Giants, has been released, which is a bit of a... I was disappointed to hear that. That's that's the second time he's been cut by the Giants. It is. Pitching's a very tough spot because you've got so many pitchers on your roster and it's a very specific need. You know, we talk about Balfour coming in and getting one out when he pitches. It is sometimes that cutthroat. You can be a one-out guy and there's nothing wrong with being a one-out guy. It's just it can make it harder if you're you know, a guy like Travis Blackley to get time. A lot of clubs seem to actually know of Travis Blackley because he's got an opportunity to be on the roster of a lot of different clubs. So do you see him getting another opportunity at some stage this season with someone else? Oh, I think it's only a matter of time. I know that just from looking at his social media feeds, he's still working out hard and throwing hard and you know, getting the work done that he needs to do so that if he does get a call, you know, within the next couple of days or even the next week, he's right to go. And I think that work ethic is something that's going to shine through when organisations look at him because he's not sitting back resting on his laurels going, oh, well, I might get get a gig, I might not. It's I'm ready to go if they need me. Beautiful. Now let's shift our attention from the Australians playing in the major leagues to the Australians playing in the minor leagues. Now we've got a lot of guys playing in the minors, so... 
you know, we're not going to have time every week to go through all of them. So I've just picked, I've picked out a few and I'll keep Perfect. doing the same thing every week. Any outstanding performances. Again, going to start on a sad note, unfortunately. Lewis Thorpe, who's in the Twins organization, had Tommy John surgery late last week. Now, he is the 10th-ranked prospect in the Twins system. So, you know, he's a very, very highly thought of in that organization and also scouts from other organizations absolutely love the look of him. When he eventually signed with the Twins, I know that they were really hyped up about that. They saw that as a huge win. But unfortunately, Tommy John's, it's What's a that? bit of a six or one, half a dozen of the other because you're solving a problem that needs to be solved, but there's no guarantees that you're going to come back better. So it's very much wait and see. But I know that his surgery went off without a hitch. So, But that recovery time very, is roughly a year, isn't it? That's a very good sign. Yeah, he won't pitch this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't pitch for the Melbourne Aces again in the next ABL season. Which is disappointing for the league and, and, and for him as well. It is very disappointing for the league as well that he's not going to be pitching... Um, probably next season either. Um, moving on to guys who have been on the field. Um, I'm going to start with Roy Perkins, who's in the Colorado Rockies system. He has had one appearance this year for the Asheville Tourists. Uh, he went two for four, so picked up two hits, drove in a run, stole a base, was caught stealing once. So, yeah, not a bad day for him. And the last player we want to have a look at in the minors? Uh, Matt Canelli, who's playing AAA in the Braves organization. Uh, another guy who went two for four, he... In that two for four, hit a, hit a double. So you know, it's good to see that he's obviously spraying the ball around the park a bit. Is that one of the four Canelli brothers from the ABL? That is one of the four. Sorry, I've got one more guy. Uh, yep. Todd Van Stintel, who in the ABL plays for the Sydney Blue Sox. He's in the Twins organization. Another one who was originally with the Twins organization, released and has re-signed with them. He came in and pitched an inning over the weekend, striking out one guy and holding the lead for the Fort Myers Miracle, who went on to win the game by the same score. Beautiful. Now, you want to finish off on a, a somewhat quirky note, Xavier. Now, I, I've got something very quirky for you. I was uh, looking at sporting news yesterday. I came across a result from a college game between Minnesota State and Bemidji State. Bemidji State? I know Bemidji from the TV show Fargo. I know Bemidji from the TV show How I Met Your Mother. There you I go. do, oh. too. That's my contribution. Oh, hello, Lockie. Sorry, I'm on there, too. <laughs> I do. Yeah, uh, Marshall Erickson. Uh, no, what, what's the episode? Bemidji, Minnesota. Um, it's got to do with the 1999 NFC Championship. That's oh, actually, right. I remember yes. that as well. Yeah, no, I remember. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so Minnesota State and Bemidji State. Now, you'd think if you're Bemidji State and you've scored 20 runs, you're going to win a game. You would think so. You would hope so. Well, Bemidji State got beaten by Minnesota State 41 to 20. <laughs> 41 to I thought you were going to say 21 to 20. 41 no, no, to 20. Minnesota State scored three times in the <laughs> first, six more in the second. Bemidji State came back with seven. <laughs> Minnesota State added 10 in the third. Bemidji State tacked on one. They both scored three in the fifth. Bemidji State got seven in the sixth. Minnesota State got five in the seventh. Bemidji State hit back with two. And Minnesota State got 14 in the eighth. <laughs> 14. Uh, quick question. Uh, yep. One, the pitching stocks must suck, but how, how big is the outfield? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, yeah, final lines. Minnesota State, it's 41 runs, thing. 35 hits, two errors. 41 runs from 35 hits. So not only, not only were they actually getting it done, they were hitting at the appropriate times. They were, they were actually making sure everyone on base got home. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bemidji State, 20 runs on 21 hits. And probably the worst part of that box score besides conceding 41 runs, six errors. Jesus. Yeah, not a good day. I'm glad there were no Australians associated with that, Xavier. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, mate. We'll speak to you next week. Sounds great. Finishing us off on rounding the bases this evening is Tom Reed from BelieveTheHype.com. Mate, thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Not a problem. Now, let's start off. We saw the Cavaliers rest their big guns against the Celtics over the past couple of days, which does mean that my Celtics uh, have a very good chance of making a playoffs berth, but uh, just we'll talk about that a little later on. The Bulls have also been uh, kind of resting some players over the last couple of days. Cam Besto has been rested ahead of the playoffs, so we'd like to, to uh, imagine that he's being rested. Maybe it's not quite how, uh, how we like to think of it. But do you actually... We can say, it's, we can say, it's, uh, we can, we can say that he's resting. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're resting and they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs. Do you actually think he'll, he'll find any minutes in the playoffs? Uh, I think it would be very unlikely for him to find some playoff minutes, unfortunately. If it does happen, it would be uh, because of 
a couple of injuries that may, I mean, hopefully not happen to, to some of Chicago's key big men. Because, I mean, look at look how stacked that big man rotation is. And, I mean, Besto, right now, his role in that team is just to be bought in and sort of uh, learn a bit about um, you know, NBA life being a rookie. Dibbs isn't really a guy who, who likes playing rookies too much as it is. And, and so I don't think that there's really going to be um, any, any playoff time for him, unfortunately. Speaking of the Cavs, Delhi has done very well in the absence of pretty much three quarters of the Cavs team over the past week or so. What role do you think uh, he'll play in the playoffs? I think he'll have an interesting role in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if he does see a little bit of a drop in minutes as, as you know, rotation starting to tighten down a little bit and um, and um, and you know there, there's you know, main guys will play a, a few more minutes. I think LeBron's going to be playing a bit more of the one throughout the playoffs. But I still think he's going to play some real valuable minutes. I mean, be that guy who's going to start the second, uh, start the second quarter and play a little bit in the third quarter as well, and, and potentially find himself some some crunch time minutes as well if he if he's performing well um, in, in some of those key games. But I think he's going to have the same role that we've seen from him throughout most of the year, being uh, being the the backup point guard, um, playing alongside LeBron when LeBron's out there as well with Kyrie off and and uh, he getting his spots, hitting his shots, and um, and also playing some pretty hard physical defense. We just have to hope that when we do see him, that it's not on a poster like uh, <laughs> he pretty much was made by Tyler Zeller this afternoon against uh, against the Celtics. That was massive. Yeah, that was an un- unfortunate incident for Delhi, and it's one of those situations that you find yourself in every now and then if you're if you're a guard and you're you're, you're running back to to cover the fast break. I mean, it's 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 welcome to the NBA. It's it's, it's a part of life. You're going to find yourself on a post like that, but man. Zella threw it down hard on him. Uh, he's he's a champ, Tyler Zella. He's he's, he's part of the uh, the young core of the Celtics. There, it's, it's it's a very exciting time to be a C's fan, my friend. Yeah, it is. I mean, well, like 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 what you said before, Cleveland have just gifted you guys pretty much a playoff spot. Yep, that's, I'm not complaining at all. Now let's move on to the Spurs. Aaron Baines has now seemed to somewhat take over the mantle as the uh, the number one Australian at the Spurs. Paddy Mills has kind of fallen away a little bit. He's only had four double double uh, four double figure games since February. Is his form where it needs to be right now before the playoffs? Well, Paddy's an interesting one because he has uh, obviously he missed a whole lot of the start of the season with uh, uh, shoulder surgery and sort of had to reteach himself how to shoot, had to really go through the motions again. And so he's he's been a bit patchy throughout most of the season. I mean, he had an okay shooting performance a couple of days ago against Houston, shooting uh, four from four from the field, including three from three from three for, for 14 points. But yeah, I mean, his his form, especially offensively, has been very patchy over the last um, over the last period. And a lot of that as well, um, at, at least for the Spurs, is Corey Joseph has been playing so well. He's been taking a lot more of Paddy Mills' minutes. And so Paddy has just not really had as many of the opportunities as, as he'd like to have had at this point of the season. Now let's finish off. Obviously, we've only got uh, most teams only have a couple of games left in the season. So, whose whose firm is your tip to take out the East and West, and which team with Australian representation do you give uh, the biggest chance of uh, taking it all out? Uh, this is a really exciting time at the moment for for the NBA and, and especially Australians in the in, in the NBA because we've got seven Aussies uh, in the league right now. Five of them are going to be in the playoffs, and then we could have as many as three in the NBA Finals. So it's really exciting. I expect that uh, Golden State and Cleveland, they were my pick from probably about the middle of the year uh, to be my two teams to to go through. I, I still expect those two teams to go through to the NBA Finals. And um, of those, and I mean, they've, they've both got Aussies in them, both of those teams. And, and I, I still like the Golden State Warriors to potentially take this out. Beautiful, mate. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Where can we read all your stuff and find the podcast? Yep, uh, head over to BelieveTheHypeNBA.com. It's, uh, it's currently award season in the NBA, so if you go over to the website and um, listen to the podcast and also vote for who you think is going to take out the various awards as well, that'd be, that'd be good because everybody's votes count. You can't vote for the actual NBA awards, so you might as well vote for the Believe the Hype NBA awards. Perfect, mate. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you next week. All right, guys. Catch you next week. The college football offseason continues to bring good news with another Pro Kick Australia gun and former Weber State punter Blake O'Neill signing on with the Michigan Wolverines this week in what has been dubbed as pretty much their biggest signing since signing John, Jim Harbour. I don't know about that. That's what voice. they've called it. That's what, that's what I've been hearing on the, uh, on the forums. The biggest signing. The biggest signing since Jim Harbour. Yeah, you're pumping up my time. Undisputed. Yeah, and undisputed. you've been, you've been uh, very kind to, uh, to join us in the studio. So thank you very much, Blake, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, boys. No, good to be here. You've always been a good supporter of Pro Gods. We do try. So obviously we've got Cam Johnson at Ohio State, Jamie Keane at LSU, 
Dan Pasquariello at uh, at Penn State, now you at Michigan. It's taken a few years, but we're really starting to really cement ourselves in not just any college football programs, but really the biggest college football programs of them all. So what does it mean for you to actually sign at one of these schools and potentially start a legacy like guys at LSU and pave the way for other Australians to actually start in the program at Michigan? Well, that's definitely the hope. Um, given that I am a, a senior punter and only got the one year left, the hope is that I can come in there and do a good job uh, and another boy can come in after me. Um, it, it really is a shifting point, I would say. Uh, you could, if you spoke to John Smith or, or Nathan Chapman, they, they'd echo the same thing. We had a, a US kid just down this past week, uh, Sam Loy, uh, I think his class of 2016, a kicker punter, came down and uh, took it out of his own time to come down and, and kick with us, um, which really does go to show the uh, the impact that Aussies are having on the college game. Mm. Um, and I guess the awareness that wasn't necessarily there years past. Um, there were certainly boys doing great jobs at Hawaii, Alex Danaki, obviously Tom Hackett at Utah, at, at what are also big programs, but perhaps not on the level... Um, of an Ohio State or, or an LSU, just in terms of um, you know followers and and uh, and attendance, but um, yeah, oh, it's a great honour to play for Michigan, definitely. Now you came into this recruiting process in a really interesting way in terms of you're playing junior footy. Mm-hmm. You actually did your degree at RMIT. You actually graduated from there, three year degree. So you've used up most of your eligibility. Can you tell us, through, uh, talk us through how you actually? discovered punting or Nathan Chapman and yep. that process? Yeah, well, I, I finished my degree and thought, well, I don't really want to go to work just yet. <laughs> really? Oh, that, uh, that's what it was? Yeah, well, that, that was one of the reasons. And I'd, I'd been playing amateur footy, uh, amateur footy excuse me, at uh, Old Trinity um, and probably played, I think, about four or five games over... Uh, yeah, about two years. So, <laughs> look, I wasn't, I wasn't very uh, prolific there. Um, what position? And, I was playing off the halfback, right. um, which, funnily enough, does come into the pooch punting a little bit, uh, rolling out and, and, and trying to rake one. But, look, it, I, I finished at RMIT uh, and went to Nathan and said, do you think I've got what it takes to make it in the college system? Um, he did his stock standard sort of evaluation of me, um, had to kick a ball four, five, 45 yards, I think it was, and uh, and then he said, "Yeah, you, you better get in the program." So, but you know um, what, why that was? Why was that? It wasn't Lockie. because of your leg. What, what was it because of? It was your former background. What what former background might you be suggesting? Oh, I think he knows this. <laughs> you wouldn't happen to be a former model at Vivian's modelling agency. Yeah, right? yeah, you've got me. <laughs> yeah? yeah, you've got me there. Yeah, good looking okay. rooster. So it shouldn't surprise anyone. No, well, he's up, Chris, you, mate. But yeah, <laughs> let's keep this. You know, you two are very good at pumping up the tires, if you guess. I tell you what, but um, yeah, look, mate, great way to uh, pay your way through uni, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely, Vivian's modelling agency. Yes, you, yes you, one of the prestige modelling agencies of uh, of the Melbourne industry. Apparently so. I don't know how. I mean, I am incredibly envious of <laughs> what you'll be able to achieve at Michigan. This is a sports program, right? Mate. Sports and entertainment. Ah, okay. Yeah. Just general entertainment. Yeah, sports yeah. and entertainment. You blokes should go on TMZ. <laughs> we, we've, Thank you. we've got as much credibility as them. Probably. <laughs> which Probably. is not much. But in terms of the Vivian Modeling Agency, yes. I mean, what sort of skill sets did that teach you? Uh, skill sets. Well, how you, to handle. You certainly spend a lot of time in front of a camera. Yeah. Had, um, hand to hand. Can handle the limelight. Yeah, can handle the fans. You know how to. You've obviously got to. Had a huge uh, no, following. I can't say I had a huge following at uh, when I was a model, but um, a, lot, a lot of Twitter followers from uh, from your modelling career. No, unfortunately not. What unfortunately sort of campaigns not. were you doing? Uh, what campaigns did I do? I did a Bonds campaign. You can see me in my undies um, in one of the Christmas commercials for that. Man, <laughs> sorority is going to be all over Blake. Yeah, yeah. Well, your your words, not mine. But um, <laughs> Chris and I are coming to visit now for sure. Oh, I've heard that. No, I figured that's why you got me in here, to just pretty much <laughs> up for some tickets. So. Make sure that we establish the friendship before you actually head over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. that's fine. That's fine, boys. Happy to lend a hand when I can. <laughs> Sweet. So once you actually made your way into Pro Kick, you found your way to Weaver State. Mm-hmm. So how was that? Weaver State uh, was great. Coach Coach Hill, fantastic coach. Um, obviously came off coaching Tommy Hackett at Utah and uh, had quite a successful stint there and I guess uh, wanted for bigger and better things and wanted to move into head coaching, so I got to Weber State, and that's how I got there. Um, yeah, had a bit of an up-and-down year. I sort of took a while to get uh, get my feet a little bit, um, playing the first game in front of Arizona State and 52,000-odd people 
um, was a little bit of a realisation that I was playing college football. <laughs> 52 is nothing, mate, compared to what you're going to be playing at Michigan. Not compared to the big house, but, mate, once it gets to those levels, I think it's just a noise factor more than than anything else. Um, Yeah, great year there, and um, fortunately had had a pretty good average, and and he also was a great proponent of the the Aussie style and and quite likes the way the Aussie style can influence the game in terms of rolling out, kicking drop punts, um, holding on to it for a bit longer, not necessarily uh, focusing on footwork and, and release. And a lot of that is because of the uh, the fact that you have come from an Australian rules background and you're not afraid of a little contact, which might be the case for a lot of Mate, American I got, punters, I, got I guess. Laid out. Well, I've got a, I've got a quote though that really sums up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ch- Ch- Chappie, Nathan Chapman has gone all out on on Blake O'Neill in terms mm. of pumping him up. Here we go. Man, if if this is not a guy just absolutely laying out all the superlatives to someone, I don't know what is. <laughs> he's powerful. He's strong," said Nathan Chapman, the owner and coach of Pro Kicks Australia in Melbourne. Uh, uh, he's thick, whatever that means. Uh, he'll is that want a bad to... thing? No, it referring to your brain. About my smarts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, he'll walk. He'll want to run down and tackle you and rip your head off. He's got speed. He can throw. There's a lot of bonuses and pluses to Blake as a player, which is going to be great. Uh, going to be a great player for Coach Harbour. And then, I'm not sure, I can't find the quote now, but he basically said, it doesn't matter that you've got one year at Michigan because, you know, you'll have the NFL straight after that. So, no expectations, mate, by the sounds of things. Yeah, no, he set the bar pretty low there. Um, well, at the same time there, like, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, he's a bit of a spud. Um, <laughs> he can now, you've signed, mate. Uh, yeah, not what, the smartest kid, don't expect too <laughs> yeah, much. He's not very good at academics. He, um, <laughs> he really struggles in the classroom and he's got an absolute noodle for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I would love if... if and he's a pain much. off field as well. Like, if he did it to one of the programs that has made he, him and Johnny's life hell for, like, the last six <laughs> years in terms of, you know, and, and finally, like, set, like, a big program, set them up and give them an absolute absolute spud of an Aussie player and basically just say, we're even now. Good luck. Yeah. A- amateur kick, Australia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amateur that. kick. Yeah. Mate, oh. he's got the humour as well. He's on, that's, that's, that's what we need on radio. This is what you we're asking for. it was an for entertainment him. program, boys. Absolutely. You're bringing the entertainment. Yeah, well, we don't have it, so uh, <laughs> we have to get our guests to bring it. But uh, yeah. in terms of um, Weber State, you said that you know, you're thankful for Coach Hill and all that sort mm. of stuff. Yep. Because they could have made your life difficult, but they let you go because they probably know that you got you know bigger um, bigger things you can achieve, and that might be more uh, achievable at a program such as Michigan. Is that a fair statement? Yes and no. I think um, well, I very much said to Coach Hill that the reason I wanted to leave was I had an opportunity there to play football and get my education paid for. Mm. I felt the program that I was doing, the professional communication program, was a good program for the, the people that were heading down that path, but that certainly wasn't the path that I envisioned myself heading down. Yeah. Um, yeah, he could have made it hard, but it, it speaks volumes about the bloke. You know, he, I sat in his office and said, look, it's not exactly what I'm looking for. This isn't the, the exact experience I wanted. And he said, look, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't like it. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. So we shook hands and sort of parted ways. But yeah, I, I still call him now and, and, and touch base with him and, and keep in touch. And then, so how long ago did you actually start meeting with Michigan? When did that whole process start up? And then when did it become, uh, I guess, serious? Jeez, uh, oh, it's, it's, that's the recruiting process, though, Chris. You know, it's, when do you say it's serious? When do you say it's not? And I remember Sam Lawyer mentioned earlier, his, his dad, Terry, was saying, oh, you know, it's serious when they ask for your, for your, uh, for your transcripts, but what does that really mean, you know? Because sure. things can fall over at any second, and you can see that in, uh, in, in a lot of the recruiting. Even you look at Zach Entry now, he's going to come over to Michigan from, from Texas. After committing there, it's a, it's a very... Uh, yeah, it's back and forth. So we started talking in February um, in terms of, yeah, academics and looking at transcripts and that sort of thing, but it probably wasn't until early March that I got on the phone to Coach Bax and, and sort of got serious about coming over and, and, and having the official visit and that sort of thing. Talking of the official visit, mm-hmm. how long did you spend picking out your outfit, mate? Because I've never <laughs> seen anyone dressed to the nines when they go on an official visit like that. Usually it's a, he's a former model. He, he has access to... Uh... Fashion designers and everything like that. He, he's got hookups, surely. Well, there are two choices, boys. I either <laughs> present myself well, 
or a guy wearing stubbies, Uggs, and a singlet. Are you Australian or are you not? Well, that was the thing. Do I go full, full out blind Australian and and like bring a case of and EB? Didn't and I didn't. You went Gucci. I went. Clearly, uh, you're, you're too much stuck in the eighties, mate. The men these days, the kids these days, the athletes, they dress. But they do dress people that nicely. reside forty five minutes to an hour outside of Detroit? <laughs> Dressed like Blake dressed, I don't think. Are they know. all getting a scholarship to Michigan? You wouldn't fit in there. Well, you wouldn't fit in Detroit. You'd probably fit in It's Michigan. a growing cultural hub, Detroit. I don't know what you've Jeez, they've spun you, haven't they? Um, <laughs> they've got, fantastic area. They've given you the PR. Let's just list off some people who've come from just Marshall Mathers. Oh, yeah. Uh, epitome of Absolutely class. Absolutely epitome of class and style. <laughs> I don't know uh, any Madonna. Also, U of M. Yeah. U of M uh, I think you're struggling here, mate. Right, if you right. go to a Madonna and an M&M, I think... Uh, Pillars of the pop industry, lock. Yeah, but in terms of being class act, I mean, you did see Madonna recently. Successful, I mean, though. We, we can, we can oh, if we want to go off success, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting off football, Chris. We are. So the last couple of scenes have probably been relatively disappointing from a Michigan Wolverines perspective. They're obviously yep. one of these uh, teams that have had an illustrious... Uh, history, but the last couple of years haven't quite been uh, so hot, I guess. That's why they signed Jim Harbour over the off-season. From what you've been able to tell with Jim, what is he envisioning for the season? And, and do you think, how, how, I guess, how much uh, hope and excitement should the fans of Michigan actually have coming into the season? A lot. I think a lot. I think that was pretty evident at the uh, at the spring game, uh, where I think it was 35,000, even, even more turned up, which is pretty unheard of for, for a spring game. But uh, oh, Coach Harbour has got a certain energy about him. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, uh, I was reading an article actually about another transfer, uh, Jake Ruddock, who's coming across from Iowa, and he said when Coach Harbour walks in the room, he certainly changes the, the thermostat. And there's no doubt about that. I, I was walking down the field actually on my official visit. He goes, "Oi, Blake, come over here." I went, "Oh, okay. Who's this?" Oh, Coach Harbour, all right, yeah, yeah right. Okay. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> oh, well, obviously didn't know. Turned my back, turned around, and went, Coach Harbour, how are you going? Nice to meet you. And he goes, Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, really? Okay. He's a he's a very down to earth guy. Nice um, one. But in terms of the way he's taking the football program, I mean, you look at, at spring practice, and they were practicing four hours a day. They were taking their full four hours and using it instead of using it for film study. Um, those sorts of things speak volumes to me about what he's trying to do to, to flip the program around and really assess what talent he's got there and what he's got to work with and where he, where he's, uh, he's, he's um, perhaps areas of, of uh, are lacking and, and where he needs to fill those in. So uh, I think Michigan fans have got a lot to be uh, optimistic about. How do you approach the season given that there's so many unique factors in terms of you only get one year at the program, you've only got, I suppose... It's going to be a learning experience, but you've also got to perform at the top straight away. How do you go into the season thinking, well, you know, you're, effect- you're going to be playing in front of 100,000 people week in, mm. week out. Have you had any games of 100,000 at Weber State yet? Not not at Weber State, obviously. But at Weber you- State? Yeah, I reckon we have. You just pack out the car park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in terms of what's the biggest uh, crowd you've played in front of? It, yeah, or been- at Old Trinity. We can include Old Trinity in this as well. Old Trinity, uh, yeah. <laughs> the cardboard cutouts yeah. at the game. <laughs> no, look, I reckon... 52 would have been the biggest. Um, <laughs> next biggest, 17-odd at, at Montana State. Um, look, mate, it is what it is. A crowd's a crowd. There's, there's nothing that I can do uh, to prepare for that. you literally just got to get there and, and deal with it on the day. So uh, as far as coming in for, for a year, um, I, I'm pretty confident and, and comfortable with what Coach Baxter wants to do with the program and, and, and where he wants to take it and the types of plays he wants to run. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. as I say, it is what it is. You just go in there and do your best. So looking at uh, the Wolverine schedule for this mm-hmm. season, Blake, you've got some very appetizing matchups coming up. I don't know if you have a look at it uh, so far, but yep. you start the season against Tommy Hackett's Utah first yep. up. Then you face Maryland, of course, with Brad Craddock, Tim Gleason's Rutgers, Dan Pasquariello's Penn State, and then finish off with Cam Johnson's Ohio State. At what stage of the season does the trash talking begin? How does uh, it already start? I did already start with Cam. Good. I said the Aussie standoff has started, <laughs> and I think I hashtag long way from Gosh's paddock. <laughs> uh, That's going to trend soon, mate, by the way. Well, no, it will. no one really got on it, and, I, and there, therein lies the problem. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> give a little bit of Aussie banter that's going to come across the wrong way, but, uh, well, you'd hope that we get a few of those games on ESPN, wouldn't you? You'd hope so. I and th- and you'd assume I th- so as well. I think that... 
someone has contacted Chappie from those places to make sure that they get the schedule right for this year. In all seriousness, in terms of which ones have the Aussies in them to preference them. But my favourite part about when you reel off those teams there, Chris, is that you said they're, you know, uh, Cam Johnson's Ohio State and all that sort of stuff. So the punters, that's their team. Absolutely it is. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about the Blake O'Neill, Michigan Wolverines. Blake O'Neill's Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. Has a nice ring You started out the program with I'm the biggest recruit. I don't know... I think you do you believe bit, that? I think you need to do a bit more research, boys. <laughs> I really wish we had a lie detector because that would make this so much more fun when we could ask some questions to the bike and actually. Yeah, I'd, no, I'd be making a false, false, uh, false approach if I thought I was coming in as the biggest recruit. Are you a betting man at all? Uh, you can't be as an NCAA. Not monetary, oh, not monetary wise. <laughs> not monetary wise. Just you dares or anything like that. It doesn't have to be monetary sure. wise. Yeah. What are you putting to me? No, because I think we should. Create some sort of bet between you and whoever the Australian is you're playing yep. against yep. and put something on it I will, for each we'll, person. Well, We've got to figure that out. We haven't figured that out yet. Something is of monetary value, though, you see. No, you have to do something. There's, there's a dare. Increase. There's a dare. Uh, it doesn't have to be okay. monetary value. No, yeah, it's something okay. that you have to do. You know, it's an act. I prefer not to streak in front of 100,000 people. Well, you prefer so, not to, so win. Okay. All right, That's easy. Yeah. You know or, I mean? just, or, you know, when, when everyone's back in Australia, you, you know, the loser or the, the least ranked Aussie in that group has to buy Subway, the best Subway in Australia, which is Mombok. No, it's benefits, mate. Mombok. I'm you. So you can't buy. This is going back to the whole mate, monetary value. after your one year. So you won't oh, get, yeah, it's fine you, for, you it's won't fine get, me, you won't yeah. get in trouble. True, true. We can maybe make Cam Johnson ineligible for his senior <laughs> year. That's all right. Ineligible. He's already the, won a national championship. Ineligible for the Aussie betting bowl. Yeah. So you're a big uh, film fan, uh, yes. as we've gathered. So you wanted to yep. study film mm-hmm. uh, and TV at Weaver State. Um, what are some of your favourite films? What's kind of your influences? Who are some of the favourite directors? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson's a big one. Nice one. Um, Mag- Magnolia's probably one of the favourites. Um, and Boogie Nights is uh, Boogie Nights as rambunctious as that film is <laughs> is another favourite. Um, Christopher Nolan's obviously a pretty easy one to throw out there, although Interstellar sort of uh, <laughs> caught me off guard a little bit. Did you not like Interstellar? Didn't love it. No, really. No, I figure a film's a piece of entertainment, however wide ranging the, uh, the the topics are. And you should, <laughs> I saw that at IMAX, and I loved lines. it. Oh, fantastic spectacle! Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, yeah, I think they bit off a bit more than they could chew there. So, although it's a bit of a moot point because we know you're going to the NFL, if you do not somehow go to the NFL, <laughs> mm. your career lies in Hollywood? I would As an actor, I, I would assume or a model. No, yeah. no, I wouldn't guess so, boys. Actor, as, director, as much as, producer? Uh, as much as you've got, what, Chris Hemsworth and a couple of other lads <laughs> over there, I don't think that's my lot. But Were they models of Vivians? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, no, but, well, you know, stars of Home and Away. Well, that's that's your next step then. Once you finish, surely. Yeah, perhaps it we is. could get you on Young and the Restless. I'd have to do a pretty bad American accent and come in as a college football jock. On, uh, <laughs> home and away. Well, you're going to have some pretty good experience. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, well, you know, act out what you know. Have you seen many films from the Oscars this year that were nominated for Oscars? I've seen a couple. Because I saw, I, I went to the states. I only came back last week, and yep. I was lucky enough on the plane to be able to see. All the latest Oscar films. I ended up seeing Foxcatcher and mm. The Theory of Everything. Didn't really like those two particularly. The Imitation Game was quite good. Imitation I Game I loved. Yeah. And I loved Birdman as well. That was probably Birdman my favourite out of all yeah, of them. Yeah, really good film. You like that one? Yeah, I love Birdman. And Michael Keaton, you're a big fan? Uh, oh, mate, it's a bit, I haven't really watched much Michael Keaton, to be honest with That's you. Um, obviously, his Batman's fairly uh, lodged in the annals of, of film history, but... Um, what was wrong with that one? Nothing. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Chris. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. But Bert, nah, Birdman was a great film, mate. Uh, that's the thing. You, you might as well try something a little bit different, you know? And yeah. I thought that was a bit crazy going out there and filming a one-shot for an entire film, but it was enjoyable and it was almost like watching a piece of theatre. So and a lot of people were saying not? that it was a little too jarring, but I didn't find that at all. That pe- people might have been a bit put off by it or, or, or something. I heard that... Uh, I have absolutely no knowledge in this industry. Birdman, you don't know Birdman. It was shot completely no, without no, any I'm, visible cuts. I'm, t- I'm talking in terms of what would look good or what would Oh, sure, sure, sure. But uh, you've got an interest in the entertainment industry as a future career, yeah? In some form, don't you? In some form, in some form. Well, so I finished my degree at RMIT with a major in cinema studies. Ah. Um, hence the interest. And I also worked in, in event management uh, within a company, a company called A New Concept that did roadshow films, premieres, and, and a bunch of other things. So... Um, I've certainly had a bit of a little dabble in that 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 industry. Because that was my, that was my number one love before before I, I came yeah, across yeah, radio. I was studying um, screenwriting. I wanted to be a screenwriter, 
and I I studied it's at MIT industry. as well. It is, yeah. and it, I, I just found out relatively quickly that it's it's kind of too hard to make a living off being a screenwriter. So I came to radio. No, I don't let that deter you, mate. Just jump in there, you know. I'll see you, you don't know. get paid as a college athlete, but we still do it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's there's a, a little job. Yeah, no it's, mission. It's, no it's a little more illustrious <laughs> being a college footballer than being a uh, a freelance screenwriter. Let's just yeah. say that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair call. Thank you. Anyway, what we've established through this entire interview is that Blake O'Neill succeeds at everything he does. So <laughs> it's been a real confidence boost to Blake. We really appreciate it. And thank you for, for jumping on the show. And, and you said you head there in, in May, was it? You head over? Hopefully in May, yes. Uh, yeah, we'll sort of work through all the particulars and, and I should be there early May. So looking forward to it. Beautiful. Well, we're pumped that uh, you're over there, mate. So congratulations. Thanks again for coming in. And we can't wait to hopefully have... All of those games on ESPN, at least the ones with uh, all the Aussies. So that'll be a fantastic. That's that's amazing being able to play that many Australians in one season. So Absolutely. It's... And if you want to see some of Blake's finest work, just type in Blake O'Neill <laughs> into Google Images, and you'll be well rewarded. That's quite easy to find. It actually Thanks, boys. is I quite. Really, easy I really to find. do appreciate that. I hope my Twitter Twitter followers go up after this. Actually, yeah. What, what, what is your Twitter handle? Because people would love to uh, follow you on nah, Twitter. Just, I'm just sure. Google it. That's fine. It's at uh, Blake O'Neill. And then, you know, he's also got a specific profile on viviansmodels.com. <laughs> I don't even know what the website is. <laughs> thanks, mate. We'll check you soon. No worries. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Flag Fires with Chris Taylor and Lockie Miller. And Damien Arsenis from pickandroll.com.au has joined us in the studio once again. Hello, my friend. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. So uh, how you been? That's because you've been jet-setting over in the States, mate. I have. I, it's, it's been good. But Damien, uh, it's, it's good to be back as well. Damien well, and I have had a, had a, a good, uh, good run without you, Chris. Apparently. Everything went smoothly. We apparently. both held the fort. Unfortunately, Lucky went missing last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was all too much for you, was it, Lucky? No comment. <laughs> so what we wanted to do today was uh, firstly take a look back. If people can remember, at the start of the college basketball season, you came on this program and you put forth your preseason picks uh, for 2014-2015 season. So you gave your top 10 players to look out for, and then we did a bit of an over-under. So I gave you three topics, and you had to choose whether it was over or under. So what we're going to do today is we're going to have a look back, we're going to have a listen back to the audio, and then we're going to go through one by one and see how well you've done. Let's just say it's 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 a bit disappointing. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not that wrapped with, uh, with what... You're bringing to the table. Let's just hope that next season can be a little bit better. So we're going to we're going to touch on that firstly, and then we're going to be pretty much doing just a general overview of how the season went. So rather than just touching on those ten um, ten players, we're going to have a look at uh, at the best Aussies, your new I guess top ten list, and uh, and just who who uh, went better than expected, who didn't go quite as good as expected, all that sort of stuff. I can't even get a word in. Well, that was a word. Yeah, it was now because I let you finally finish. Well, thanks for that comment, Damien. And moving on. <laughs> all right, so it's, 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 this is just how I do, do things, all right? So let's start off. All right, so this is your preseason list for uh, the preseason list that you came on and, uh, and told us about at the start of the season. It was from 1 through 10, Anthony Drimmick, Hugh Greenwood, Vinky Joyce, Jeremy Hill, Mango Mathiang, Peter Hooley, Sam Rowley, Nick Duncan, Taylor Dyson, and Dan Trist. They were your top 10. What are your thoughts on that? Before we get into the uh, over-unders. There's been a bit of juggling around in that order. I would have I thought so. Definitely. And we knew that was going to happen. Well, I, I actually expected it to remain relatively solid. That's why we got you in. But... Yeah, we, we backed your expertise in, but clearly... Um... Hey, I've, I reckon I've nailed a couple or I've got very, very close to quite a few of those guys. But I'll give, I'll there, give... there, is some, there is some mix and match going on. I'll give you a hint. You, you got some... Pretty bang on projections, correct? Didn't he, Chris? He did. Well, let's let, let's start off. All right, we're credit, let, we're credits due. Come on, guys. Let's let's see how you go. All right, so let, let's let's start it off with uh, with Anthony Drimmick. These are your preseason predictions for Anthony Drimmick. Number one, Anthony Drimmick from Boise State, two Mountain West Player of the Week awards for this season. Will he get above or below two Mountain West Conference Player of the Week awards? Stays healthy, above. Eighteen points per game. I'm calling it now above. He's going to be right around that 20 mark. And the last one, which doesn't really relate to this season per se, but draft selection number 60, will he go in the draft or will he fall out of the draft and, and go undrafted come uh, come draft time? I'm going to call it. If he averages over 20 points a game and shoots better than 40% from downtown, he's going to be there. We have to put a bit of an asterisk next to this one because obviously he was injured for half the season and, and didn't play. So I'll kind of give you a bit of a pass there. But obviously he got uh, zero 
Mountain West Conference Player of the Week, which let's just put down to uh, to his injury. And he also averaged 15 points per game when he was on the floor rather than the uh, above 18, you, you said 20-odd. So we don't know if, whether he would have achieved that had he played the entire season, but let's give you a zero from two. Oh, you're too one. kind. So not, not, a, not a terrific start. We obviously can't. Uh, put on whether you're correct about him getting drafted because that's still another year away. That's right. Because he is playing uh, next year, which is some good news for Anthony Jimmick. But uh, not the best start for you, Damien. Zero from two. That's not. And it's one of those players that we interviewed that just fell foul the week after. Pretty much our fault. Yeah. Pretty much our fault. We'll have, we, I think we all have to accept the blame. <laughs> <laughs> Number two you had is Hugh Greenwood. Let's have a listen to your preseason prediction for Hugh. The number two player we want to have a look at is Cameron Besto's former teammate, Hugh Greenwood. 11 points per game. I reckon above. Five assists per game. I reckon it's on the money. You have to say above or below. Uh, look, if he's going to increase the scoring like I think he is, I'm going to say below. And how many times will he get mentioned alongside Cameron Besto? Will they mention Hugh Greenwood and Cameron Besto together? 15, more or less? I reckon more. <laughs> I reckon every time they mention Hugh Greenwood, at least for the first half of the season, they're going to mention Cameron Bester. All right, so we'll start off with the 11 points per game. I'll give you a tick. 11.6 points per game. Thank you, Mr. Greenwood. Well done, my friend. You have to give him a tick. You're not... Maybe. You have to give him a tick. No, I am giving you a tick. Yeah. Then uh, 5.0 assists per game, you said below. 3.3. Yeah, because he was going to score more. Nice job. And 15 best I references, you said above, I think it was roughly a million. So Easily. I'll give you, Easily. I'll give you that. I'm pretty well. sure that's the verified statistic too we got. That, that's an official one. It is. Yeah. It is by the NCAA provided that to us. Yeah, so I, three from three. And I think it was at least a million halfway through the season. That's true. So, and it wasn't until the social media uproar with the bullying and all that kind of stuff that we sort of lost Bearstow and that's true. became Greenwood. That's true. Yeah. So really, the, there was also um, five hundred thousand references to his man bunt, but that's not. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So you're back on track at the moment. You're, yeah. you're three or from five. Known as Thor. 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 <laughs> the, like, ah, I haven't heard that one, but no, me neither. There we go. That's a new one. Number three was Venky Joyce out of Eastern Washington. Let's have a listen to your preseason prediction for Venky Joyce. The third player we want to have a look at is Venky Joyce out of Eastern Washington. 15 points per game. Uh, it'll be tough because there's some scorers on the team now. I'm going to call just above. 2.4 blocks per game. Oh, this is a hard one because uh, now he's got a seven-footer playing next to him as well. I'm going to call just below. 10 rebounds per game. Uh, below. Below? He'll be around eight, I reckon. All right, so let's go through those. We said 15.0 points per game. You said above. He finished with 16.7. Very good. So that's a good start. At a very efficient 61%. 2.4 blocks per game. You said below. What's that number that he's got in the end? 2.2. That's below. Very good. And I said just below, too. I didn't you say said just below. What's even more impressive is when we said 10.0 rebounds per game, you didn't just say below. You said it'd be around eight. Seven point seven, baby. Seven point seven, another three. So this is this is where you're starting to, to feel a bit hotter. Right? So at this stage I'm like, all right, yeah, this is why we got Damien in. <laughs> this is pretty good. He's got the last six right. He's pretty good. Let's move on to Jeremy Hill. Number four, Jeremy Hill out of Texas, San Antonio, fifteen points per game. We're we're keeping it relatively low for Jeremy. Do you think he can make it over fifteen points per game for the entire season? Look, on the team he's got, yes. 35 three-pointers made throughout the season. About one a game, just over one a game. I'm calling it easy. What about 70% from the free-throw line? I'm going to call it yes, above. So we continue on with your good stretch with the 16 points per game. He's averaging 16. You said above 15. Spot on, Damien. Well done. 35 three-pointers made. You said above. He, He smashed that, let's be honest. 56 was my count. 56. So... Clearly, I think he probably made it halfway through the season. He was a sharpshooter, and he shot really, really well this season. And the free throws, you said above 70%. Guess what, mate? He bloody let me down. 61%? What was going on? I don't know what's going on with these Queenslanders, seriously. <laughs> They're not putting enough uh, focus on, on the free throws. It's, it's called a charity strike for a reason. You know what I don't get? You get these guys that can shoot the ball really well from the three-point line. And yet then they shoot something like 60% from the free throw. It's strange, isn't it? There's no pressure on them whatsoever. I don't understand. He let you down there. Only two from three for uh, Jeremy Hill there. Let's move on to Mango Mathiang and and see how you went for your preseason prediction for Mango. This is no good. 
Number five, Mango Mathiang out of Louisville. 22 minutes per game. I reckon it's on the money, but I'll say just above. What about 16.5 starts? You made me think on that one. That's a close one. Um, I'm going to go just above. 2.5 March Madness wins. So if they win two, it's below. If they win three, it's above. 2.5 March Madness wins. I reckon they're going to go further than two wins, so I'm going above. We'll start off with the minutes per game. We said 22. You said above. He had uh, eighteen point seven, Damien. Was it that low? Eighteen point seven. I think where you're you're thinking, the longer the season got on, he actually ended up becoming a starter, and he was playing more Could, than twenty minutes a game because of injury. Yes, but earlier in the season, he he definitely was hovering around the twelve to fourteen minute um, mark, yeah. and then he was a starter all the way through the NCAA tournament. So, so can you help me with the uh, the game starter? Because I couldn't find anywhere how many. So we said 16.5. You said above. Did he end up making 16.5? Honestly, I, I think he just missed it. I think he did as well. I so I, I put that down as a no because I don't think he did, but I actually couldn't find anywhere where it was. But let's just put down that You'd have to go through each box score to work that yeah. way. And, of course, 2.5 March Madness wins. They got the three wins. Tick for you, mate. One from three. That uh, that last win in the tourney saved you. That, that was almost a zero from three. You got one from three. But do you know what? He could. They could have nearly gone one better. Again, back to the free throws. True. It, it's it's relatively oh, simple. Absolutely, mate. yeah. Mango. It's simple. Oh, that bat, uh, the T bar. Honestly, what did you just say? The T the bar. Um, the T bar. <laughs> yeah, I said the T bar. The um. The back of the rim. Uh, what's it called? The um. There's yeah, a nickname iron. For it. No, there's a there's, there's a name for it. Is it? Uh, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know what you're talking I'm, about. I'm going to just drop off into silence now because I've uh, completely blanked and Now, Chris, myself. did you see Magic's face when, when he made that first free throw? Magic Johnson's face in the crowd. Did I? I can't remember if I did. What oh, was it? When that one bounced up high, nearly hit the shot clock and then dropped down. I feel like I would have watched oh, it. but it was, it, it, That look was just like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then when he nearly replicated it on the second, it was like, oh, my <laughs> Goodness, but yeah. We, anyway, we won't talk about that. I, I, that's a tick in the box. Peter Hawley was uh, the next player I want to have a look at. Let's have a listen to your preseason prediction for Peter Hawley. Number six is Peter Hawley from Albany. 20 points per game. Uh, below. How much below do you reckon? Well, he averaged 15 and a half points a game last season, so I reckon he might add, add one or two to that. What about 42 three-point percentage? He shot the ball really well last season, so it's going to be tough to improve that but I'm going to say just above. 2.5 30-plus point games. I reckon he can probably put up three or four during the season. So firstly, you got the 20 point, uh, points per game correct. You said below. You said 16. He got 13.7, so not even uh, as good as, as you said. So that was a bit disappointing from Peter there. We've got to keep in mind that the right. guy missed eight games. That's he true. came back That's to true. Australia, then had to work his back into the rotation, was coming off the bench when he first came back. And, hey, we all know what he did, did to get the team back Absolutely. The that was phenomenal, actually. That was actually funny because I was watching it downstairs with my dad, and then I thought, you know what, well, I'm feeling a bit tired. I'll go up and just watch it upstairs, right? Because I think Dad wanted to watch something else. So I decided to go upstairs. And with about three minutes to go, Dad just came upstairs and just sat next to me. I thought, oh, all right, and obviously the, uh, the he hit the shot and it was all phenomenal. And apparently, Dad, because I was watching it on a half hour delay, Dad had seen the result somewhere. He saw a replay, so he just decided to come up and just sit next to me and actually watch it. So f- phenomenal moment for for, oh. for Peter, and it, it it breaks your heart, but it makes you just uh, so much emotion would have been going on in in the. In, in Pete there, but it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, look, I re- relive that um, today. Actually, I was putting together the recap for the season and 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 my all Australian teams uh, from the past year, and went went back and looked at the Sports Centre highlights and and the interviews and all that, and it was just an amazing time. It was just that moment where he kind of didn't really want to be around everyone. He kind of just left and wanted to be on his own, and you just you just felt for him. But it was. It was a good moment, but uh, I, I feel like he couldn't really enjoy it as much as he probably should have been able to. Yeah, but it's, it's just, look, for, for the sports fans, it was an amazing time, and it'll be one of those things we'll revisit again next year. Absolutely. Uh, when we talk about his three-point percentage, you said above 42. He only hit 34, and the uh, 2.5, 30 points 
30-plus uh, point games that you said. He got zero, but again, it does come back to the fact that he did miss some game time and he was playing off the bench. He missed some games. Whether he would have done that or not, I think we put that in the same box as Anthony Drimmick. Exactly. So a bit of an asterisk there, but uh, one from three I'm, I'm giving you for that one. Next one is Sam Rowley, Peter Hawley's teammate. Let's have a listen to your preseason prediction for uh, Sam Rowley. Number seven, Sam Rowley, Peter Hooley's, uh teammate from Albany. 10.5 double-doubles throughout the season. 10, that's a big number. Um, just under. 12 points per game. I think he'll go over. Ah. He'll do 13 or 14 points a game. Eight rebounds per game. Oh, I'm going to say just over. And I'm, when I say just over, maybe 8.2. Uh, we'll start off with the double doubles. We said ten point five. You said below. He got nine. You said that was a relatively high number, but in the end, he almost got there. So that was all right. He had a fantastic season. I think he surpassed most people's expectations and all conference first team as a result. Well, his points per game we put at twelve. You said above thirteen point nine. You actually said. 13 or 14, so that's an extra tick for you. So well done for that one. You're bang on uh, for Sam Riley's points per game. And the rebounds we had is 8, you said, above. You said about 8.2. In the end, he didn't quite get there. 7.6 rebounds. 0.6 off, come on. Give me, give me some slack. That's not pretty even good. one. No, I'm not giving you a point, but I'm giving you a pat on the back. It's a consolation Is that an prize. official Chris Tyler Flag Flyers pat on the back? It is. Oh, I'll, I'll take he that. He can redeem yeah. that uh, at any stage after the show. Do you get them very often? Uh, never. <laughs> he's never he's, I actually strictly made it for, uh, for I that. actually don't get Just pats on the back. I get slaps on the face, but that's all right. That's fair uh, enough. Ouch. Yeah. So two from three for Sam Riley there. So well done. Let's move on to Nick Duncan and have a listen to your preseason prediction for Nick Duncan. Number eight, Nick Duncan, also out of Boise State. Anthony Drimmick's uh, teammate there. Ten points per game. On the money, but just over. From three, 41%. I, I reckon he's going to nudge 44. 2.5, pointers made per game. This is going to be a hard one. He's, it's, he's going to be somewhere thereabouts. Oh, he's going to hate me. Just under. He's going to hate you. Firstly, the hatred paid off because it was 2.4. You said below 2.5. So uh, you just got there. Well done. You probably paid him to miss it the last couple, did you? No, because he actually got better. Um, <laughs> he was named all, all tournament first team. So he had a great ending to the season. That was actually the only one he got right out of the three because uh, you said above 10.0 points per game. He ended up with 9.4 points per game. Another relatively close one, but it was very close. You still got yes, it wrong. You got me. Okay. And the three point percentage we said above. You said above 41 percent. You said he might notch up 44 percent. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was primed for a big one, and whilst he was a bit slow to get underway, he finished exceptionally strong. 38 percent was uh, what he got to in the end there, which is still very respectable. It's not bad at all, but it's not quite 44, is it? It's not. <laughs> second last, I'm not arguing with you. Second last player. So you only got one from three for Nick Duncan. Taylor Dyson, second last player you want to have a look at. Let's have a listen. Number nine, Taylor Dyson out of Hartford. Ten points per game. Uh, over. Twelve, I reckon. Twelve or thirteen. 42.5, three points made. The way he was shooting it here in Australia in the off-season, I'm calling it now over. So I can't remember why we only did two there, but we only did two. 10 points per game. You said above 12 or 13. Yes, that's not even close, mate. Uh, 8.2. He certainly didn't live up to my own expectations. Look, in all reality, he probably didn't live up to his own, but he'll be back next year. And the 42.5 three-pointers made, that is quite considerably above. He finished with uh, 63 points made. Terrific job by Taylor there from that point of view. So uh, you get a tick for that, one from two. I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> you should take I'll it. I'll take it, don't worry. Considering the form for the rest of... Uh, hey, hey, I've had some good hits. You better have a good showing for, for Dan Trist here. The last player I want to have a look at, Dan Trist. Let's have a listen. Daniel Trist out of Lafayette. 30 minutes per game then? Just below. 14 points per game. Possible. I'll call it just above if you get the near the 30-minute mark. 6.0 rebounds per game. I bloody hope so if he's going to get closer <laughs> to the 30-minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I think that's an area of a game he needs to improve on when acknowledges defensively and he's rebounding. You might have just bounced back there. I three from three. Three from three. So we said 30 minutes per game. You said below. He finished with 27. I said just below, and it was 27. We said 14 points per game. You said above. He clearly got above that. He was the highest scoring Aussie in college basketball last season. 17.3 points 
per contest. He just nudged out Vinky Joyce, who had 16.7. That's phenomenal. That's, that's a lot, but he had that Dan Trist as number 10. We will see where he finished off very shortly. And to finish off, we had 6.0 rebounds per game. You said above 6.7. Bang on. Three from three for Dan, which makes your score at least somewhat respectable. That's a total <laughs> of 17 from 28, which is 60%. So that's what, a C? Was that better than my mid-season result? Actually, I can't remember. I didn't. That's a good point. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. So you're saying that we're better off with you behind the helm here now, mate. I, I would have thought so. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. But uh, come on. <laughs> you should know the mid-season report card. That's all, all that matters it's his show. is the He's preseason. the show and he can't tell us. Preseason is all that matters. Mid-season, we don't care about. No one cares about. We've seen a bit. We want to, we want to know what you thought of before. So that's not too bad in the end. But let's let's have a listen to to what your thoughts are on those plays as a whole and and who uh, jumped out as as a lot better than you were expecting and, and who actually fell out of favour with you quite considerably. Let's have a, an overall look at how the players went throughout the season. Yeah, well, I think for me the number one player this year, my player of the year was Dan Trist. Dan Which Trist, we is had on the show this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we Certainly just spoke about enough. his points pr- uh, production per game. His rebounding was up. His shooting percentage, he was up, up around nudging 60% from the field all year, um, displaying his whole array of post moves. And he took Lafayette to the big dance, which they haven't done since 2000. So, so from 10 to 1. From 10 to 1. Excellent. Okay, we're well, starting at 10. No, as in he went from 10 to 1. Oh, he did go from 10 yeah. to 1. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. So. Uh, 10 position jumps in my rankings from the start of the season to the end. Fantastic achievement for the unanimous All-Patriot League first-team member. Excellent. So who's the next player you want to have a look at? Who's, who's, the, uh, who's another one that might have uh, surprised you a little bit? Or who's one that might have uh, disappointed you? Uh, I, look, a, a surprise for me was, was Marjok Deng. Marjok Deng in the Sunbelt Conference with Louisiana Monroe. He was a junior transfer, and for me, he was one of the best big men we had. Even though we had so many good forwards and and big men playing this year, he found a way to get into uh, my second team. So he made my top 10 by the end of the season. And we can read uh, your your teams and and, and everything uh, at at you tomorrow as well. That's right. Tomorrow afternoon, it will be up. Or today by the time that we put up the podcast. So today, if you are listening to the podcast, Tuesday. Whenever Tuesday you're listening to it, if, if you're listening to it on Thursday, then it, it's, it's been up for two days. Make it on it. Yeah, and you'll be able to listen to all this through our website as well. Perfect. Any other players that uh, really uh, pop out at you? Maybe some disappointments. Uh, disappointments. Well, I don't like to call them disappointments, but I guess they are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're not disappointments at all. They've, they've done our country proud, but. In all reality, there's some people or players that were thought may have done a little bit better than what they did. Uh, Mango Mathiang is one. I really thought he did. He still looks quite raw. Offensively, he looks raw. Defensively, he looks organised. He knows what he's doing. Um, Offensively, definitely. He's not in the... They're not running plays for him. If he scores, it's off a broken play uh, and offensive rebound. So... I guess I thought he might do a little bit more and really entrench himself into the starting lineup. He did by the end of the season, but I think that was more by um, in through injuries and, and player personnel needing to be moved around. So he's he's one I think that we can still expect a lot from, though. He's got a couple more years to go on a team that went to the Elite Eight. Beautiful. So do you have the stats? That you, you said you have the, all the stats in front of you for all the Aussies. I do. Can we get a leader... Or maybe the the top three in points and assists and rebounds and all that sort of stuff. Let's just uh, get a, a bit of an overview on who dominated in each category the most. So maybe the top three of each. Okay, so in points per game, we had Dan Triss with 17.3. Good. Closely followed by Venky Joyce, 16.7. And we had both of those guys on the show this year. And in third place was Jeremy Hill, the fifth-year senior from Texas San Antonio with 16 points a game. Beautiful. So that's not too bad in the end. So the, the, the luck that they had that uh, Drimmick didn't have by coming on our show uh, was, was reflected there, I think. Oh, definitely. So yeah. what about rebounding per game? So rebounding, we had Jeremy Hill. Again, top three, 8.1 boards per game. Um, career best figures for him. We had uh, Venky Joyce coming in next with 7.7. And then right behind him, Sam Rowley, 7.6. 
With Jeremy Hill, did he? You had him as as four on your uh, preseason report. Is he around that mark? A bit higher, a bit less? What do, what do you think? How did how did he go from where you expected him to go? For me, he was top three Aussies this year. Nice. Top three. Look for for me, Dan Trist was was number one, and then probably Jeremy Hill followed by Venky Joyce. Beautiful. So and and look, they're all forwards. They're all big guys, and they're all in my Australian first team. What about some of the the guards? I was going to say guns there. Some of the guards. Let's have a look at the assists per game. Yeah, let's look at the assists per game. And, you know, we spoke about Emmett Nah. Emmett Nah had a fantastic season as a freshman with St. Mary's. He led every Aussie uh, throughout the year with 3.9 dimes a game. Um, Then we also had Hugh Greenwood with 3.3, not too far behind him, taking a lead role. And and that was, um, you know, we could have expected potentially more if he wasn't looking to score. Mm. So 3.3 from him. And then really you could cast a blanket over over the majority of the um, other Australians. But um, let me have a look here. Who have we got? And then there's Ben Wilson at Idaho State. Right. The Bengal, the senior. So St Mary's didn't really have... As good of a season as they were probably expecting, one of their worst seasons for quite a while. But the silver lining, I think, was Emmett Nas' performance. I think he played quite well and a lot better than I personally was expecting of him. Did he did he exceed your expectations? I didn't think he'd start. He yeah. started the season starting. Um, when they got uh, player personnel back from injury, he moved over and it was effectively their six-man all season. Mm. So as a six-man... For half the season, he was you know, ranked in the top 20 in the nation for assists per game. Yeah, now, that good. fell off, but as that fell off, his scoring increased. Mm. So he, he had a fantastic season and one that um, he can look to build on next year. So who will be the player that you're most looking forward to watching next year? I think there's a couple. I think Venky Joyce is going to be primed for a big year and it be really interesting to see what Anthony Drimmick does coming mm. back because... If Anthony Drimmick can live up to his potential, there's no reason why he can't be the best Aussie and why he can't win a host of awards. How long has uh, Drimmick been back into training? Good question. I'm actually not sure. You know, if he gets drafted, then I'm going to push up your score uh, to 18 from 29, and I think that might go up a couple of percent. So fingers crossed for you, for your sake, that he does get drafted because you've got a lot on the line. Yeah, the only problem with get, with that is he's going to be coming in as a fifth year. Now, fifth year senior, so he's older. older. So that's one play year. Against, How yeah. much difference does it make? But that will play against him. It's played against people before. That's such a narrow-minded way to evaluate people. I'm sorry, that's but, how they do. Yeah. But they'll probably be going. Well, we won't draft him, but he can come to camp. He can do his best, and he can, he can earn a spot on the roster. He'll be a Joe Ingles, just a mature age. Is it, is it really that? It's, it's like Matthew Delavadova. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't matter these days if you get drafted. Not really, does it? In terms of being able to sign, really, you want to be drafted in the first round. You want to be drafted the first round because you get guaranteed. Yeah, but that's the only benefit of second round. Drafted, they can hold your rights, stash you overseas, and really, you you can only play for one team unless they trade your rights. Yeah, how long the rights? It's probably better to go undrafted than to go a second round pick a lot of the time, isn't it? In a a lot of circumstances, you don't want to go late second round. Mm. There you go. I'm learning every day. That just about finishes off the show for us this afternoon because we have run completely out of time. I don't even know if I can finish off this uh, introduction. But, uh, Damien, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll get you on throughout the uh, college basketball offseason. There's only, like, however many months to go. What is it, like six, seven months to go? So I'm going to be counting down the days. We can find plenty of things to talk about between now and then, and we, maybe we can get a few more guys on the show. Sounds perfect. And girls. Thank you, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers. That wraps us up for the uh, Flag Flies uh, today from Chris Tyler and Lockie Millie. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Flag Flies as well on Twitter at the Flag Flies. Until next week, we'll catch you soon, Lockie. Bye, everyone.